of God's word. Isaiah 9, verses 2 and then 6 through 7. The people who walk in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwell in a land of deep darkness on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it. With justice and with righteousness, from this time forth and forevermore, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Lord, I pray that we would be able to remember 
the things that you have done in years past. God, that the testimony of your unfailing love would fuel our hope. There are so many people who are hopeless in the world today, Jesus. Neighbors, children, parents, our own homes, God. That moments are filled with darkness. In our moment in time, God, there are dreams that have fallen away. There are followers of Jesus who don't know where to fit or how to move forward, and their hope is fledgling. And so, Jesus, Messiah, we ask that you would become our hope today, the Gentiles, the nations, those who are not of your people, yet you pursued us to bring hope. So, Lord God, I just pray that you would identify the areas of darkness in our life that need you, that need hope. Because we, Jesus, we are a people of hope. So let us become what we are. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Hopelessness is uh, at an all-time high in, in our uh, world today. Many people have gone through disillusioning circumstances in the last generation that uh, they, they, they have not been equipped to be able to walk through. Many of the people who found it easy to show up at church services and uh, kind of just be a part of the community of God are, are left on the edges. And to be honest, the fact that you are here today is an image of hope. The fact that, that you can go through what you have gone through and choose to not fall, stop following Jesus is a glimmer of hope. That is a miracle. That is heaven becoming alive within you and it encourages those around us. So my hope for us during this series is that we would kind of think clearly about who we are as a people. That our group identity would be one where we remind ourselves that when circumstances come and our dreams are chopped down, that we would fight through and we would go, hold on, I have a memory bank of hope. Or I have a community of people around me who have been through circumstances that I can talk to. I can borrow hope. You cannot create hope in and of yourself. Biblical hope is the desire to see God do something that he has promised in the future. You can hope in many things. You can hope in, in your career, you can hope in relationships, you can hope in the sense of belonging that you receive from those around you. You can hope in this church to deliver the kingdom of God for you, but guess what? The only true hope that will stand is that which Jesus is establishing, yes, here among us, in us, and in our world. And so there is this dual element of hope that we see that Jesus is coming one day and we long for the day when Jesus truly establishes peace. He establishes this elation of joy. He establishes this loving default that we'll have towards one another when his kingdom is fully uh, actualized. We long for a place where, where we no longer have to hope for the good because the good is what is. But between now and when Christ comes again at his second advent, that is at his second coming, we, we stop and we go, what on earth does the first advent have to speak into my current risk of losing hope? I imagine today that there are moments, and, and many, many of you guys, we've seen God do some really beautiful things. We had a great service two weeks ago, just celebrating the different things that God has been doing among us. I left that time with you going like, man, I feel like I just ate a banquet. And the food was great, but that's not what I'm talking about. Do you know, did anybody else like leave that? Just going like, oh, I feel just, God, you are here. You are, you are working. And so there's this element of, of the idea that, that hope is from God. And a hope established in God is the one that's going to cultivate otherworldly living, otherworldly hope, otherworldly joy and peace. The ability to, to walk forward when the world around us that is in, in, in this world that is full of challenges but without hope, we're going to begin to stand. And we're going to be called into moments where everybody else is, is running 
and we're going to stand fast. Where everybody else is shifting or, or they're trying to use different methods that, that look less like Jesus and we're going to be like, no, we're going to be resolute to be fundamentally good. I mean, I love that description. This is one of my most favorite descriptions of who Jesus is when he describes himself in, in Matthew 12. It's found in Isaiah 42, and so it's this, this promise from antiquity that Jesus lives out. And many of you guys are aware of this, that the life of Christ like fulfilled ridiculously, a ridiculous amount of, of prophecies that, that were from the old, old time. Um, but if you turn to uh, Isaiah 42, we're going we're to look at the text because this is the origin that Jesus is, is referencing when he, when he says, I'm fulfilling this. Isaiah 42, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen, in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. He will not cry aloud or lift up his voice or make it heard in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break. A faintly burning wick he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. He will not grow faint or be discouraged in his plight to bring this. There will be one that comes that in the face of challenges, he won't fade back. He will press forward. In the face of, of, of the imperfection of humanity, those whom he is trying to rescue, I mean, if we look at this text, look at this. It says that a bruised reed he will not break. I love that. A reed back in the day was, was a, a, a plant that could have been uh, very, it was everywhere. And so if you wanted to use it for a stirring stick or you wanted to use it to draw with or write with, if, if one broke, you would just chuck it. Like, it's, it's literally like, like grass. Or, or uh, uh, one author said, like a, a, a throwaway coffee cup. You don't save that stuff. If it gets dented, you chuck it, right? Um, I had a struggle getting my coffee lid on, and I almost, I almost ditched this guy, but I didn't. But Jesus, he says, listen, one of the marks of Messiah is that when Jesus, who fulfills this, when he comes, this hope when it comes, he's going to come across people who are broken. They're like broken, broken reeds or dented cups. And he's not just going to go like, next. We have a thousand of those. We've got a whole box of cups in the back closet, right? No, he's going like, whoa, 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 easy. I can still make something with you. In fact, some of you come into this place and, and you feel like you're a less than cup. You're, 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 if you were a cup, it would be like you're coming in and you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm more of like a wash basin. I'll do the background stuff. It's, I'm not that important. God wouldn't want to use me. Man, but throughout Scripture, we see this image that, that he is able to take the, the pottery that is used for, for unfavorable things or wash buckets and turn them into beautiful pieces of of glass, of material used for holy worship. And I feel like that's a, a word for somebody is that you may feel like a wash basin, unworthy to be used in the worship of God, unworthy to speak on His behalf, unworthy to share your story with others because you're like, man, I got nowhere to talk. Uh, who am I to share that Jesus is the light of the world and that he's changed my life when I continue to struggle with X, Y, or Z? Jesus is like, listen, I'm not going to throw you away. I'm actually going to redeem you, and I'm going to turn you into a noble purpose, and I'm going to give you a noble name, and I'm going to make you into royalty. You see, there is a hope that should come with belief in Jesus. A hope not just of eternal salvation, but of identity elevation, where he says, you're my child, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will fulfill every promise to you. Yes, that prayer that you've been waiting on, that you've been calling on, that you've wept over for years, it will come if it's associated with the way of the kingdom coming to you. If you're praying for the kingdom of God to come into your life, it will come, however, we don't know when. 
It is God's mercy to bring heaven closer to us. And sometimes there's healings that take place. Sometimes relationships get restored. Sometimes your name gets, gets restored to, to the previous place or, or your family gets rescued or God comes through with provision. Man, there are moments where the kingdom of God is breaking in, breaking in, breaking in. And that's part of the way of Jesus coming and going, hey, I have the access to all of the resources of eternity. And as my brothers and sisters, children of the Father, you are linked into this divine, eternal realm, identity, and future. And so for, for some of us, it's, uh, if you were an awkward kid in middle school, uh, had to grow into the old big old glasses I had and my bowl cut, uh, had to grow into a few things. If you were an awkward kid in middle school, it's like you're living your middle school years spiritually right now, and one day you're going to break out and you're going to like have a huge glow up when heaven comes here, and your life is going to be like it always was designed to be. Yet God continues to, to invite us into going, hey, why don't you try this with me? Why don't you step into becoming who I know you are? But oftentimes we're like, yeah, I want to do that, God, but I don't know if you're going to show up. I have enough history. Yeah, okay, God, what you're saying to me moves me, but I've got enough personal history where I've seen my, myself plant a seed of hope. Now, this is not health, wealth. I'm using some language that I'm uncomfortable with, but you've, you've planted a dream with God. God's put something in your heart. I want to see this happen. It was a marriage it was a family picture. It was a home. It was a, a career. You had an image of what it would look like for your life to come to full fruition. And then something came along and that tree started to get sick. You notice marks on the leaves and some of you are green thumbs and I'm not. So you'll know it's aphids or whatever. It's the you know, potassium in the soil. Who, who knows? But you start noticing this tree is, is starting to get a little sickly and, and, and uh, you're not quite sure what to do with it. And so you just wait and you hope or you avoid it or you overanalyze and then you kill the darn thing from too much uh, change and transformation, all that good stuff, right? Your tree, in some respects, has the risk because you're like, man, that, I, can, I can imagine no greater life than what I, what, what, what I have. And for one reason or another, we don't always know why. Sometimes that tree, it gets completely cut off. How many of you guys experience that, where, where a dream has become a stump? Right? Some of you guys, you know that. Some of us know what it's like to have a dream get cut off by somebody, and then not only that, somebody comes with a bucket of gasoline and just drenches it. It's like, I don't even want the, the, the memory of this stump to last. And then they light it on fire, and it's a burnt, crisp stump where your dream was. What do we do? when our dream becomes a stump? What do we do when, our, when we are tempted for the hope that we have had? It's beginning to flicker, and you're like, what has happened? Jesus. And for some of you, this launches us, and because I've experienced this personally, it launches us into the season of disillusionment. We're like, I don't even... Is this... Like, what? Is this who you are, God? This is how you treat dreams. This is how you treat hopes. This is how you treat me. The temptation, friends, when we're left here is to go, God, where were you? The, the historical setting of Isaiah 42 is that exact situation. Israel, if you, and I'll, I'll encourage you to go back and read. I've got way too much text to go through word by word today. But if you were to go back into verse, uh, the whole beginning of, of Isaiah, it was about God sending Isaiah to the nation that had turned their back on the Lord. And because they, they refused to hear the warnings of God, they, they, could, they were told that they could see 
but refuse to perceive as the Lord's like, hey, the tree's sick. Do you need help? They could hear, but they, they couldn't receive what, what God was saying. And so, over the course of this dream that Israel had taken hold of, which Israel became a nation out of slaves. And these slaves were marched through this wilderness. And these slaves became a royal family chosen by God. And they were given a nation. And God chose David and said, I will give you an eternal uh, uh, offspring. You will never... uh, Your kingdom will last forever. You will always have somebody on the throne. Yet in 586, we see the downfall and the exportation and the following in, I believe it was 722, they're taken captive into exile. The, the dream is gone. The dream of this nation of slaves become royalty has been cut off and burned. And their temptation was this. As they received the word, they were in exile. The book of Isaiah is split into two parts. The first part is exile is coming. And then chapter 39 on, I believe it is, is hope will come. And we see that their hope in Isaiah 11, as they look at their nation, their dream, as a smoldering stump. Isaiah 11 gives us this beautiful promise, a glimmer of hope. There shall come forth a shoot from the stump of Jesse. Now, oftentimes we think that a a plant is only alive if you can see leaves, if you can see greenery. My wife, that's the that's the telltale sign for when a when a plant is going to get chucked out is is if there's no green, no bright. She she she'll stick in there. I've seen her rehab some plants, but really in Israel particularly, there's this under the ground reality that the roots can survive even when the tree is cut off. And I think that's important for some of you to hear. Your tree can be cut off, but what the Lord has for you is untouchable eternally. And so the question then for us is this, is these areas where our, our hope is like a flickering flame, like the wind has been blowing on it, like, oh no, let it go out. Jesus doesn't want to just come and go like, give up. Like, Forget about it. Now, we may need to reassess. We may need to have some different ideas. Of, God, what, are you, what, what does that mean? Did I have it wrong? Did I have a, a wrong idea of what that hope was supposed to be? Or, or is there still hope? Well, sometimes we don't know, and that's what hope is. You see, if we know it, there's no need for hope. But the beauty of Jesus coming to the earth as the servant of the Lord filled with this Holy Spirit, delighted in by the Father, is the nation had no way of envisioning a return to glory. They had no way to envision or hope that, that, that God was going to come through for them. In fact, many of them were left going, Jesus, or God, where were you when we were in exile? You have neglected us. And that's a human response. I want you to pause it for a second. Is there a space where you just need to grieve and go, God, where were you? Because if we don't acknowledge these painful moments, man, it's like hidden wet blankets for our hope. 
Because that's exactly what the nation of Israel was doing in verse chapter 41, just before the, the sermon where uh, we're talked about with, with Jesus. There's a disillusionment that comes when they're uncertain of where, where God is, and the same thing can happen for us. Uh, we are looking at Isaiah 40, verse 27. Isaiah 40, 37. Yeah. Such a sad verse. God says, Why do you say, Jacob, and speak, O Israel? He's speaking to them as he's saying, Hey, exile is over. Come on back. They're seeing a bit of their hope restored but it's almost like they're afraid to really trust God not to take it back again. And they're looking back going like, God, we were in exile. We were uprooted. We lost our home, our dignity. We lost our identity, all of these things. And God says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? And have you ever felt disregarded by God? or by the people of God. You felt disregarded. The question is, man, what do we do when we've been let down? When we see our dream and we can't envision a shoot coming up or hope below the surface? Well, my temptation is to find something else to hope in. When I can't trust God or I'm like, God, I don't know what you're doing. Honestly, it's a regular thing I have to wrestle with. I I look for other things that I can control, that I can invest in, that I can determine. I can get some results out of this. And I think many people have left the ministry because of this. Like, they don't understand what God is doing, and so they just go like, I'm going to go get a regular job because that is more straightforward. And there's no judgment in that. But I do think that this is one of the areas. Discouragement and a loss of hope, it like is a gut punch to the people of God. And we're, we're drawn to, to pseudo-hope where we, where we can control, we can pursue relationships, we can idolize things in life to kind of be like, okay, I'm going to push towards that. God, do what you're going to do. I'm not going to abandon the faith. I'm just not going to trust in the faith. I'm going to learn to survive on my own, God, because, and honestly, I don't want to project. This is, this is my struggle at times. When I don't understand God, I'm like, okay, God, I'm not going to give up. I'm resilient. I'm strong. This world, I can take whatever it'll give. That's fine. But my hesitancy is to hope. It's to go, God, could this actually become something? When I start to see that that new life come, or I see some greenery in the midst of darkness, or light in darkness, and I'm like, I don't want to hope. Hope hurts when it doesn't come true. Hope deferred makes the heart. How many? Come on, raise your hand. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. Lord, oh man. Man, if we could purge the poison of deferred or let down hope from the church, I am convinced that joy would burst from us in a supernatural way. But we can't just wish it away. So how... Do we live this way in hope, not in passivity and self-protection, not in going like, I don't know, I'm just not going to engage because I don't understand, but to actually put yourself in that spot and go like, God, no, I believe that you've done it before and you can do it again. Now, as we hope, Scripture is the very thing that should be our very clear focus, that hopes for wealth, prosperity. You can hope for that, but don't hope in it. Because it will not deliver. Even if you get even the Lord's like, okay, it's not going to give you what you're wanting. God alone is the one who can satisfy our dearest hopes. 
I love that he says, set your mind on things above and all the other things will be added to you. He's like, listen, just, just focus on me, on what is eternal. And because I am your good, good shepherd, I will provide for everything you need. Stop thinking about this other stuff that you think you need apart from me. Yeah, you can create this nice little world, David. You can create this nice little world where it's pretty comfortable and you can have some devotional times with me. Or you could actually put every bit of your focus on pursuing God and saying, God, I hope in you. Though you slay me, yet will I hope in God. You see, that's a resiliency that will be a, that is a a resiliency that will disturb the hopeless. It will startle those people who, 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 are, who are convinced that there is no reason to hope in the world, that, that this is just a material world, that we're just going through it, like you do your thing, I'll do mine. I will let my own desires govern where I want to go and what I'm going to find joy in until I turn this age and then lights out. Now, we are a people who are a, a prophetic, hopeful people. In, in, uh, in Peter, he talks about how the, the, most pro, the most powerful reason that people are going to interact with or, or should interact with the people of God is the hope that is within you. In past generations, we've gotten this wrong where we're trying to like uh, bash down people's door and, and like be aggressively trying to convince them of X, Y, or Z. And we, we fight instead of, of live and embody the hopeful presence of Jesus that says, you know what? Yeah, uh, you wronged me, but you know what? I'm not hoping in the fact that I'm going to be treated rightly by you. I got, I, got, I got dished by this person at my job site. You know what? But my hope is not in my ability to establish my own respect in this setting. You know what? My hope is in Jesus, in the fact that I'm his child, that he has forever bound himself to me, that he has not abandoned me. In fact, that's the response of God to the nation when they said, where were you? He's like, listen, I understand I need you to know that, yes, the fire was painful, but it was there to purify you for your calling, for what you've been made for. I've been here all along. If we were to look at Isaiah, um, sorry, if we were to look at 41, sorry, I've been all over this book, and so I'm still tracking, tracking it all down. Um, ah, doesn't matter. God says, <laughs> there's a beautiful passage. Please, please check it out. Uh, the idea behind the passage, which is the most important thing, is that God was there the whole time. And he, he describes the fact that he hasn't neglected nor left them. Oh, thank you. God bless you, brother. When the poor and the needy seek water and there is none and their tongue is so parched with thirst, I, the Lord, will answer them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in the bare heights and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. I will put in the wilderness the cedar, the acacia, the myrtle, the olive. I will set in the desert the cypress, the plain, the plain, the pine together that they may see, listen, that they may see and know. And may consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this. The Holy One of Israel has created it. There are things that have happened in history past that we need to take as part of our own family heritage. You are a part of the people of God going all the way back to Israel, who was intended to be a light to the nations. And part of being a light to the nations, that is to Ridgefield, to Hazeldale, to Vancouver, Clark County, Portland, wherever you're at, we are intended to be this subcultural light in the middle of darkness a shoot of life in the middle of a burned stump where, where we are able to, to actually give a semblance of hope. 
I love in Hosea, it says that he will make the valley of Achor, which is this place of desolation, into a door of hope. So we don't need to run from the desolation. Hope comes to us through the Holy Spirit. As we reflect upon God's action in the past and we open ourselves to believing and going, man, what if he did it again? What if, God, you are willing to do what I want you to do in this area, even if I don't know exactly what that is? The half-brother of Jesus, James, says, you do not have because you do not ask. Sometimes you don't have because we have actually thought about what we would like. We've been angry about what we haven't had, but we haven't said, God, what if? You've done it before, God. You've restored a relationship before. God, you have softened my heart of unforgiveness toward this person before. You could do it again. God, would you do it again? You see, you can't create hope. All you can do is cultivate a mind that remembers what God has done. What you can do is cultivate conversation with others to talk about God's faithfulness in your past. There are people who I have, I've got some hope history that y'all need. And you've got some hope history that I need. Some of you have endured things that I will endure in this coming year. And I'm going to be coming to you going like, how did you hold fast? And in that moment, your faith will be the light of hope. Birthed there by the miraculous, intentional hand of Father God. We are a people of hope. Let us be a people that stir it up among ourselves, recounting the good things that God is doing, journaling not only prayer requests, but prayers answered, becoming a people of gratitude. Becoming a people of testimony where we share and we, we open up about the painful places where we're like, man, it is a burnt stump. I wonder. I wonder. I have people who know my burnt stumps and there'll be moments or things that happen and I'll be like, the weirdest thing happened the other day. It's a little, it almost looked for a second like there was a flash of light. I'm like, Really? I'm like, yeah. Okay, well, I'm not going to bank on it. I'm just going to put it in the back of my mind, okay? I'll treasure this in my heart. God, could this be breakthrough? Could this be growth? Could this be new life? This church is part of my burnt stump new life. It's a miracle. And the Spirit of God is here. There's life even in the midst of burnt stumps. Let us beckon, draw, like, look for, anticipate, pray for, like, seek to see new life come in the areas of our hopes. Because Jesus, not only does he not disregard broken reeds, but it says he will not extinguish, extinguish a flickering flame. This is my most favorite picture of what Jesus does. Instead, he's like, oh, there's hope there. I'm going to cut my hands around that. Oh, I know it's breezy. I know it's hard. And I had this image that this is our church, actually. That God has lit a hope among us. And the world hasn't gotten easy. We're not insulated. Our only insulation is the hands of God who cup his hands around us and guard and keep our hope alive little by little, miracle by miracle, answer to prayer by answer to prayer, shared story by shared story. How do we treasure the hope that Jesus has come and brought among us? Oh, it is a treasure. We're told in Romans, Paul says in chapter 15, again Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him the Gentiles, you and me, will hope.
And then he prays, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in being, sorry, believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope, man, abounding in hope. And I just, I want us to be a people who are like, yeah, the odds are stopped against, or stacked against us, but it's been happening for centuries. And God continues to come through. He continues to show up. I'm just, I'm going to trust. And that is something that the Holy Spirit brings. And so as I close, I'm going to invite you to consider your burnt stump. Some of you may have already seen some flowers starting to blossom it coming to life a little. And I don't know if that, that's easy for you to hope again, of being like, okay. I know some of your stories, it's like it's hard to reintegrate with church. And you're like, it's nice, but I know how it can go. Some of you are reestablishing relationships, and it's still a little shaky, but you're like, oh. Some of you, you've lost your home, and you've purchased a new one, and you've started over. How do we receive the hopeful newness that Jesus has given us without being disillusioned by the loss of the past. Oh, let us be a people who breathe in the Spirit, saying, Spirit, please, would you grow in me not only the peace and joy, but would you help me to abound in hope? Would you allow the hopeful likelihood of God's goodness happening again to become more influential to my thinking than the pessimism of it's probably going to fail? For some, that's harder than others. Man, but what if we became a people who were just so convinced of the goodness of God his faithfulness, he'll do it again. And he'll carry us through. If not now, then when his kingdom comes. And he really does establish what we're all hoping for, which is true peace, joy, vitality, wholeness. That is our future. That is our destiny because of Jesus. Okay? All right. So, I've got, I did an exercise last night. I wrote down all my stumps. And it's private, so don't look too close, please. <laughs> all right? I'm a real person. <laughs> not giving you a 555 number, you know, in all the movies, 555. Uh, I got my stumps, and I'm just straight with God. I'm like, Boom, this happened. It sucked, whatever. He wants your honesty, all right? Don't pretty this stuff up for God. Like, this is an ugly stump. Like, and some of your stumps have been burned. And it's okay for you to go, God, where were you? What? This is where transformation will take place in your life. It's not just going like, oh, yeah, I believe God is good. Bottle that up, set it over there. Don't think about that. That's when he wasn't good. <laughs> no, we are transformed when we go to the places of pain and disappointment. And we, it, we invite God's spirit to, to come with his presence, which is full and abounding in hope. Where his, his presence creates hope. And so what if he came and you said, God, will you just look at this stump? Will you look how, how angry these gashes are? Will you, will you touch these gashes? Because I need you to know what that felt like so that I know that you know how deeply I need to be healed. I need you to know how hopeless this has created me, how large a gaping hole that created within me so that you know how much love you need to expand within my life to touch every bit of me and to invite God in those places, not merely intellectually. It's like you have to visualize going, okay, yep, God, all right, show me who you are. 
You describe yourself, Jesus, as you're not going to come and shout. You're not going to come and break bruised reeds. You're not going to bash through and quench flames that are a waste of time. You are going to come gently, carefully, intentionally to the place of my need. You're not going to get weary with me. Oh, God. Sorry. That hit me. You're not going to get weary with me. as I continue to wrestle to trust you and doubt you and live in my safety pessimism. You're not going to get weary of inviting me to trust you. It's a hope. If that's what Jesus is like, He's the best news in the world to our spaces of hopelessness. One that is gentle, patient. One who's not going to quit until he brings justice. There are signs of, of hope. Beautiful, beautiful signs of hope around us. Uh, in the last two weeks, I've, my wife and I, we've had different areas of life that we've prayed into and waited for, and it's scary raising kids. Anybody? Oh my gosh, I'm making eye contact with a few of you right now. Like, <laughs> Do you mind if I share that a little bit? Just a little bit. Uh, your story, um, but I'll, I'll keep it simple. Um, a, f- a few months ago, Rach and I just really f- intently focused on prayer. It was during our prayer practice, and we identified three areas that we were praying for. Church would come to life. Uh, kids would all follow Jesus, and our marriage would thrive. And all of those represent in different ways a a stump that's been cut, burnt, all that. Um, And in those last couple weeks, um, all three of, so our son is out of rehab. He's clean. He's just got permission to marry somebody, and we like her. So, I mean, thank you, Lord. That's That's a little blossom. Thank you. That's no small thing. It's a miracle. That kid was like, wanted to die and now he's thriving and we wept for nine months while he was at rehab unsure if he was going to make it we've seen our daughter struggle in the midst of this world with all the tension the the polarization and going like where does Jesus fit in this like do I want to be associated with him like it's tricky complex like it's not a socially acceptable thing. Um, The last two weeks, all three of them have come to me and two of them have given their lives fully to Christ Jesus. Um, And the the third is like just wrestling deeply in a powerful, beautiful way. Uh, Another one of the people in our youth has come to me and said, I want to get this to here. How do I do it, Pastor David? I mean, that's four of our seven youth who are like turning towards God, not through manipulation, not through any of it. They're just going like, what is different in your life, mom? Let me tell you, it's Jesus. You see hope, hope is here. Jesus is here. And so let me lend you some hope today through the spirit. I'm gonna ask you to just put your hands out, palms up if you wanna receive. And this is not something I can give. It's something only the Spirit can give, but delights to give. (sighs) I'm going to ask you to envision your stump. I'm going to ask you to envision... what hope would look like there? What would a shoot look like? 
And between you and the Lord, I'm going to ask you to tell him what's true. If you trust him, if you believe he's good, if you believe he has done something similar before or has the power to do it now, tell him. I'm not asking you to believe it. I'm not asking you to stir yourself up. Does God have the power to do it? Does he have the desire to do it? Is it something that he would want within Scripture for your life? Some of you may not know what it would look like, and you can just simply say, God, help. I I invite you to be your gentle, careful, redemptive self in this pocket of darkness. I'm going to ask you to just say, Lord, not my will but yours, but would you please bring hope? Would you remind me through your spirit that you are able? God, would you give me a prayer to pray, to bring before you like the persistent widow? Some of you may have some hopes that are flickering. I invite you to envision Jesus just putting his hand around the candle of that hope. God, we believe you for our prodigal children. We believe you, Lord Jesus, for the ability to create a church of goodness, kindness, and love. God, we believe that you're going to provide for our needs. We believe that you're going to give us the strength to survive the challenges as we wait for your kingdom to come. Oh, Emmanuel, God with us, would you come to us today? You are the hope of the world. Would you make us a hope-filled people? We love you, Lord Jesus, in your name.